You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. Today, I'm joined by John Farragon for a special episode for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is happening right now in May. Welcome again, John. Thanks, Mariana. Glad to be here. So, John, tell us a little bit about Mental Health Awareness Month and how it relates to the HIV community. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously, mental health awareness is this month, as you mentioned. Um, so, you know, I thought we could talk about some of the um, some of the facts around mental illness in HIV. I think it's a good time for us to kind of review some of this. So a lot of this data is actually, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a mix of U.S. data and also data from outside of the U.S. And a lot of it's been reviewed in some really nice review articles by our some of our own people who work with with us um, from Columbia Mental Health. So uh, really, really great people who've worked in the mental health field in HIV. Um, but I think most of us are aware of this, but, you know, persons with, living with HIV experience higher rates of mental health disorders uh, than the general population. And this, is, this includes youth um, and those with perinatal or behaviorally acquired HIV, um, adult men having sex with men of color, uh, racial and ethnic minority women, uh, and also people who inject drugs and, and older adults. Um, there's this uh, large U.S. multi-site study looked at 2,800 persons living with HIV, and of those people, 36% had major depression and 16% had generalized anxiety disorders. Now, if you look in the general population, depression is only around 7%, anxiety is around 2%. So clearly, the numbers of people with major depression and general, generalized anxiety disorders are much higher in the HIV infected population or the persons living with HIV population versus those without. Now, even if you look at some of the, some of the data from academic medical centers, one from the Southeast uh, looked at high levels of mood disorders in the past year, 32%, 21% in the past month, anxiety disorders around 20% in, in the past month, 17%. So even in some of the major academic centers are really seeing high rates of mood disorders, um, depression, uh, and generalized anxiety disorders. Um, the other thing too, uh, Mariana, that's important for us to realize is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is also much higher amongst uh, persons living with HIV than those in the general population. That ranges anywhere from 10 
to 74%, which compared to only about 8% in the, gen, in the U.S. general population. Substance abuse disorder is obviously another big, a big complexity in, uh, in, the, in, in persons living with HIV, uh, higher in the general population. It ranges from, from 21 to 71%. So kind of overall big picture look at mental health, depression, anxiety, mood disorders, uh, anxiety disorders, and even obviously substance abuse and post-traumatic stress disorder are all significantly higher in uh, in persons living with HIV versus those that aren't. So it's really important for us, I think, during this month of, you know, this mental, uh, this month of May to, to kind of look at mental health, especially as it intersects with, with the HIV population. So what do providers prescribing medications for mental health conditions need to know? Yeah, so, so what I thought I would do, since I'm a pharmacist, I thought we would kind of dive into psych, psychiatric drug interactions with, with antiretrovirals and with other meds. And, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot. Um, I think in our, we might've had one early on just on general drug interactions, but this is really gonna focus mostly on psychiatric meds. So I think everybody knows that drug interactions can be very complex and there's a lot of databases that can help you to manage it. But as it relates to drug metabolism, really four things to remember. You know, the, the drugs are absorbed, they're distributed, metabolized, and eliminated. So that's the ADME of drug metabolism. But the biggest issue, probably 80%, are the metabolism drug interactions are the ones we have to worry about. So with psych meds and HIV, this is the most common pathway that leads to problems and typically involves the cytochrome P450 isoenzymes. And, uh, you know, drugs can be substrates or inducers or inhibitors, but the the most commonly described CYP enzyme that's a problem is 3A4, and that metabolizes the vast majority of commonly used medications. Um, other enzymes also exist, though, and play important roles in interactions that are related to HIV um, and psychotropics, and creating these complex interaction possibilities and, uh, and the therapeutic effect of these interactions can sometimes be unknown. So examples that we know of, like prescobics, this is darunavir or cobicistat, Persist the Norvir, which is the Runavir Ritonavir. Uh, some of our older meds, Lopinavir Ritonavir, Adizanavir Ritonavir. Uh, these drugs are, are um, even including some of the INSTEs like Genvoy and Strybilk, they, they, they contain COBE or, or, or Ritonavir containing regimens. These are the potent, most potent inhibitors of CYP3A4. They're really likely to increase the risk of drug concentrations and drug uh, interactions when you combine them with psychotropic meds that are also metabolized by that. So again, the metabolism of the two drugs has, has to be kind of the same pathway, right? So if you're relying on the psych, psych med to be metabolized by CYP3-4 and you block it with ritonavir, your drug levels are going to go up for, of, of the psychiatric med. So again, you can get toxicity, you can get major problems with that. So, so the, other, the other class of drugs that we worry about, not just PIs and COBE and ritonavir, but we also worry about some of the older non-nucleosides. And a lot of these patients have been kind of switched off of these meds, but um, unboosted um, integrase inhibitors as well. Um, you know, the, the efavirenz and everapine is the, old, is the older non-nucleoside are, are the biggest issues, but um, unboosted integrase inhibitors like rupitegavir, dietegavir, bictegavir really have the lowest risk of drug interactions. And it's because they don't affect as many transporters, don't affect the CYP450 system as potently as what you see with, with some of the other drugs. So while they're safer from a drug interaction standpoint, you still have to be careful, um, but you know, certain drugs can still interact. So the bottom line is, you know, COBE and ritonavir and HINI regimens, they're the worst. Um, older non-nucleosides, they're probably next as being bad. 
And then you have some of the newer non-nukes that aren't as bad, like Ravarine and Ropivirine. And then finally, you know, the safest drugs from a drug interaction standpoint are really the unboosted integrase inhibitors, Rautegavir, Dolutegavir, and Bictegavir. Those are probably your safest. John, what can you tell us about some of the most common types of medications prescribed for mental health issues? Yeah, so um, just to kind of make this kind of streamlined, right? It's not going to cover everything. And a lot of this, many of you are using databases to look up, but just I wanted to review some of them. So since we have some limited time on a podcast, I thought we would focus mostly on on antidepressants, um, benzodiazepines, which are some of the drugs we use for, um, and some of the other meds we use for sleep, uh, antipsychotics and anticonvulsants. So we'll do four, four classes. So first, let's just get the easy ones out of the way, antidepressants, and then uh, sleep meds. Uh, so with unboosted integrase inhibitors and second generation NRTIs like ropivirine, deravirine, um, the SSRIs and SNRIs are safe, right? So from a depression standpoint, most drugs are going to be okay. When we get into the boosters, the big issue is with some of the older antidepressants, especially trazodone. But trazodone is one of those drugs that we use for sleep. Uh, the, some of the boosting drugs can increase the levels of trazodone. So Kobe or ritonavir-based regimens are definitely going to cause an increased level of trazodone and increase the risk of sedation. So what we try to do with people like that is just, just keep the keep the lower the dose of trazodone low. The, the concern is when you add the booster to somebody who's on a stable dose of trazodone, then the drug levels can really go up significantly. Uh, but if we're starting somebody on trazodone, we just basically use the lowest doses and titrate it really slow if they're on one, one of those one of those boosters. Um, you know, as for inducing meds like a Favrins, um, trazodone levels actually will be dropped, right? Because a Favrins is an inducer, it makes the enzymes work faster. Trazodone levels will be lowered by somebody who's on a Favrins. Um, uh, also, bupropion can also be a problem. Um, sleep meds and, and benzos are, are kind of next, Mariana. Um, and I'll speak to a couple things. Um, a lot of the information that I'm pulling out, if you haven't said this yet, but really are kind of based off the DHHS tables uh, and the New York State Department of Health guidelines. But um, if we look at sleep meds and, and benzos, uh, you know, the, the benzos, uh, th- these are the drugs, the, um, the alprazolams, uh, types, th- those, those types of, of, um, uh, of drugs can, can be, can be, can be problematic with some meds. So with the, with the nukes and pretty much, um, Dolutegavir or Bictegavir, even Rautegavir, Ropivirine, Deravirine, Fostemsevir, a lot of the drugs that don't have a lot of interactions, pretty much all these drugs are going to be fine with. Where you get into a little bit of trouble with some of the boosted protease inhibitors and even the boosted um, L-vitegavir, which is a boosted integrase inhibitor. Um, so for example, Zolpidem, um, which is a drug that we use a lot, Ambien, the drug levels can be elevated. Um, Suvorexan is another one and also Remelteon. Uh, These drugs all can have their drug levels increased by somebody who's on HANA booster. Um, with Favarins and Etrovirine because of induction, you can actually get lower levels of these meds. So if you look at uh, Zolpidem, for example, again, Ambien, um, you want to monitor for efficacy, you're probably going to get a lower drug level with a Favrins or Echovirine. Um, if we look at specifically at benzos, uh, again, most of those other drugs that I just mentioned that are safe are also safe with the benzos. So Dolutegavir, Bic, um, even Cabotegavir, Rautegavir, Ropivirine, Deravirine, Fostemsevir, these are all going to be pretty much safe with most of your benzos. So where you get into trouble with benzos are mainly, mainly there's probably really four drugs you worry about, alprazolam, clonazepam, 
and diazepam um, are going to be the major ones. Um, the these um, uh, are are, are going to be the, the the biggest issues. Really, three of them. Uh, so, if you look at anything that is involved with CYP450, whether it's a booster, is going to increase the drug levels of those meds um, versus. And a favorins is probably going to reduce the, the drop the drug levels, and so is etrovirine. So again, anytime you have somebody on low dose alprazolam, clonazepam, or diazepam, always think about using potentially another another uh, drug in that class. Another uh, benzodiazepine might might be safe. And when I say other benzodiazepines, the ones that are safe are what I call the lot drugs, the LOT drugs. That's lorazepam, oxazepam, and temazepam. These are okay. They, they usually don't have significant drug interactions. They're they're, um, they're not metabolized by CYP384, so you don't see a lot of these interactions. Um, so kind of summarizing this section, really for sleep meds, be careful of, of any of the boosters and be careful of any of the drugs that, that induce medication. So any Kobe or Ritonavir or Favarins, which is the inducer, Nevarapine is an inducer, Etrovirine to some extent as well. It can mess up, you know, Zolpidem, uh, Romeltion, and it can also mess up the the benzos, alprazolam, clonazepam, and diazepam, and alter those levels significantly to either lead to excess sedation or decrease therapeutic effect if you're actually metabolizing it away. So the safest bet here, if you are using benzodiazepines, you know, use safer antiretroviral regimens, the unboosted integrase inhibitors, or you could switch to one of the other if you have some of the complex interactions with some of the some of the cytochrome P450 drugs like ritonavir and Kobe, if you stick with the LOT drugs, those three drugs, lorazepam, oxazepam, temazepam, you know you'll be safer from uh, from a drug interaction standpoint. Okay, so next let's take a look at first and second generation antipsychotics. These are commonly used in people living with HIV. Is that right, John? Yeah, so antipsychotics is a big um, is a big class of drugs that are used uh, pretty frequently, Mariana, in this population. So, so let's let's just kind of dive into it again. You know, kind of the same list as the last group: um, dolutegavir, Bic, Cab, Reltegavir. Those are all going to be pretty much okay for the most part. Um, we're so let's get into some of the ones that are that are that are problematic. So, um, anytime you have a booster involved, all right. These are the drugs you have to think about. You have to think about risperdal. So risperidone is a drug that is a, is, is um, metabolized by CYP34. Drug levels can be elevated. Um, while clozapine has not been systematically really studied, there's a potential for increase, theoretically increases uh, levels of clozapine. Now, clozapine's got that all those warnings around um, uh, neutrophil counts and everything that we've used to follow for years. Um, you know, now that's, that's kind of calmed down a little bit, but when Clausewell first came out, there was a lot of uh, monitoring that you had to do each week with, with white blood cell counts. Um, be careful of quetiapine. And if there's one thing you take away today, a booster with Seroquel or quetiapine is bad. It can be bad if you don't do it right. Um, so there's actually a, a six-fold elevation in quetiapine levels when you use it with any of the boosters, whether it's Rotonavir, whether it's Cobicistat, whether that's with, with Gen, within Genvoia, Strybuild, Prescobics, um, uh, Simtuza, these drugs will all increase quetiapine levels. So you actually have to reduce the dose of quetiapine by one sixth. You have to do one sixth of the dose if you're starting, um, uh, if you're initiating ARV patients, pa you know, ARV therapy in somebody who's already on quetiapine. Um, Latuda, loracidone, and some of the labels, it's actually contraindicated, but again, another one where the drug levels will, will actually go up. So be careful of Latuda. It's contraindicated in some of the labels, especially with some of the, um, some of the boosted PIs. 
Again, risperidone we mentioned, and then clozapine, just be, clozapine, just be careful of that. Um, the other one um, sometimes ha um, can be an issue is ritonavir with olanzapine. Now this interaction is a little bit different um, because ritonavir can induce this um, CYP1A2, uh, it may actually decrease olanzapine concentrations. So that's where it gets a little tricky because sometimes you have different isoenzymes with ritonavir. Um, the one thing we haven't mentioned yet, a couple of drugs that, that happen can also be increased by boosted PIs is uh, 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 brexpiprazole and also aripiprazole. These are some of the newer, newer second-generation antipsychotics. Be careful of those. Haldol is an older first-generation, definitely can increase by with boosted PIs. Um, and I, I think those are kind of kind of the major ones. I think we've talked about the other ones. So we've got quetiapine, uh, loracidone, uh, and, and clozarol as being elevated. So just be careful. Rupivirine is one of the safe ones. Um, Efavirenz may drop the drug levels of all these meds that we've mentioned that are that are second-generation. Um, uh, second generation antipsychotics, uh, etrovirine, um, you know, also potentially can drop some of these drug levels because of uh, induction. Um, and fostemsevere, just be careful. Fostemsevere does have some QT prolongation issues, so you always want to be careful with that. And even even ropivirine, you know, because a lot of these second generation antipsychotics can actually prolong your QT, and some of the antiretrovirals can also do that. So kind of um, kind of rounding out this section. Right, so the big issues are second-generation antipsychotics. Almost all of them are metabolized by CYP3 or 4. So anytime you have a boosted PI, just be careful. The biggies are loracidone, and another big one is, is quetiapine. So loracidone is Latuda, quetiapine is Seroquel. Just be really careful. Make sure you're looking at those interactions when you have somebody on, on antiretrovirals, especially boosters. Um, and some of, the, some of the inducers can drop the drug levels, which again, it's not as severe. Well, you know, you could have a psychiatric break if you, if you get if you have your levels reduced, but I worry more about the toxicity when the drug levels are, are, are elevated. And also be careful of QT prolongation with the antipsychotic drugs, especially when you're combining with either fostemsevere or with, uh, with ropivirine, especially if you have a third or fourth agent that also might actually be causing some QT prolongation or puts them at risk for that, for that problem. So let's talk a little bit about anticonvulsants, which are also commonly prescribed to people living with HIV. What can you tell us about those, John? Yeah. So, you know, um, Marianne, a lot of the anticonvulsants, first of all, you, you could have a seizure disorder, right? And have, and have and be in a person living with HIV. That certainly does happen. But a lot of times, sometimes we use some of the anti, some of the anticonvulsant drugs off-label and that's it, off-label. Sometimes it's on-label, but sometimes it's off-label in other conditions that are psychiatric related. Um, and just, just as, a, as an example, um, um, you know, carbamazepine and ox, oxcarbazepine, for example, have been used for mania for many years, all right? And those drugs are inducers of cytochrome P450. So if you look at almost all the, all the labels, even for the older, for the newer uh, instes and the older instes, capotegavir even, dolutegavir, these all can potentially, or any of these drugs that are inducers can potentially drop dolutegavir, bictegavir levels, um, uh, and even elvitegavir levels, especially if you're using carbamazepine or oxcarbazepine. Sometimes they'll have some dosage recommendations where you might be able to double the dose. For example, dolutegavir, you can do 50 BID, I think, with, with, with carbamazepine, as an example, um, to, to kind of offset this interaction. But um, just be aware that a lot of these drugs are, are, can be problematic. So when you combine them with, with some of the boosters, um, they really recommend that you use, if even, even if you're using phenobarb or phenytoin, they recommend alternative anticonvulsants unless the 
benefit outweighs the risk. And that's kind of the way you kind of do it. So for anticonvulsant use, you know, a lot of times people will use levetiracetam, which is Keppra. This drug is renally cleared. It's not cleared through the cytochrome P450, so it's safer. Um, but I can tell you that sometimes we do have to use these drugs in somebody who has uh, a seizure disorder or who's on these drugs, you know, for, for mania, for other, other, um, other psychiatric conditions. And we're kind of stuck using them. We just have to do the best we can to make sure that they don't fail their antiretroviral regimen. So again, when, when you start them and you're combining them, really close monitoring. Um, this even came up with some of the hep C meds. If somebody was on a stable dose of carbamazepine for years for mania, and then we're going to add hepatitis C medications, there was definitely interactions that other people worried about. But if you had to do it, you had to do it. So sometimes there's not always a clear answer of saying, you know, let's stop these drugs because it's not always safe to do. And you have to kind of work through it and try to find out other alternatives, either other alternative antiretroviral regimens or potentially other alternative treatments for, for the mania to kind of make this, make this all work. But sometimes you're backed into a corner and you get stuck having to use the meds regardless of the fact, regardless that, you know, regard, regardless of what the interactions actually show. So I think I've mentioned this, but a Fabrin's the varipine, you know, those drug levels um, for, for carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, phenobarphenitoin are probably going to drop. Um, so it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, but it's probably what's probably what, what would happen. Um, so I, I think um, uh, just rounding this out, ripivirine, uh, you know, again, uh, if you look at these, these carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, phenobarphenitoin, I call them the COP drugs, COPP, these are really even contraindicated with ropivirine, for example, even contraindicated with ropivirine and when you're using the injection, when you're using cabropivirine in injectables and uh, in, in Um, So you got to really be careful and even look at some of the injectable drugs, which you wouldn't expect would be interacting. Uh, and they sometimes, and they sometimes are. Um, for fostemsevere, even uh, these drugs, the COP drugs really do drop the fostemsevere levels. So again, the, those big COP drugs, the, the carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, phenytoin, phenobarb, you know, they really can be really difficult to manage when you have somebody um, on these combinations. So we've covered quite a lot today. As we begin to wrap up, what are some key takeaways for providers listening? Yeah, so I think providers who do a lot of HIV care, you probably do, um, you know, you probably have some databases that you use, but always look at the HIV meds. The boosters are the big ones, right? Kobe, Sistat, and Vertanavir are the big ones, and they're contained in brand names like Prescobix, uh, Prezista, uh, obviously Norvir's Vertanavir, Stribil, Genvoya, um, you know, Simtuza. These are the big ones. Uh, and, and even a Favrins, which is in Sestiva and Atriplo, we still have quite a few patients that may still be on those meds. Uh, and the Verapine, any of the time, uh, any of these psych meds, always make sure you're checking the benzos. Um, and some of the other sleep meds, always check antipsychotic drugs and definitely with not without a question with all your antiretroviral therapies, because it's always different is anytime you see an anticonvulsant, especially those COPP drugs, the carbamazepine, moxcarbazepine, phenobarb, and phenytoin, make sure you're checking um, to make sure there's no interactions. That's probably the, that's probably the best advice I could give to you. And what resources can folks turn to for more information on drug interactions? Yeah, so I think this is the reality of it, right, Mariana? We can sit here and talk about these and you can memorize them all, or you could use really good databases to make, make this easier for you. You know, I try to give you big concepts, but it, it really is something that you really should get into the habit of looking this up. The best reference, I think, is the drug-drug interaction tables 
um, in in the DHHS guidelines. It's uh, it's at the AIDS info guidelines um, in, in in the use of uh, antiretroviral agents in, uh, in adults and adolescents living with HIV. If you go in there, there's tables that have it all listed out by PI, NNRTI, um, INSTE, et cetera. Very, very well done. Um, the other thing to do is to look at hiv-druginteractions.org. That's the University of Liverpool app that you can use. And also our ATC apps are launched now. Um, there's some tweaking happening to them. And they're also really helpful. Um, and we actually have one just for psychiatric medications um, that, that's, that's launched now. But they're, the, the, re, the, re, the relaunch is coming soon with some additional information and some a different kind of look to them over the, over the next couple, couple, of, couple of weeks, hopefully. And that's pretty much it. That's all I have today. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about drug interactions for medications relating to mental health. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaaetc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.